Welcome to the podcast, Life to the Fool, with Nancy Campbell, founder and publisher of Above Rubies. Where we learn to forgive in that home. Hello, ladies and teens and children, maybe husbands. Here we are together again, and we're continuing to talk about our words. You will remember the last two podcasts, I talked about all the positive words that uh, we should be speaking in our homes. That was such a good thing to talk about. Great to talk about the positive, isn't it? And if we could fill our homes with all these positive words, wow, they would be homes that would just be filled with the blessing of the Lord. If you didn't get to hear them, go back and listen to those two podcasts. Uh, today, I want to get on to something very interesting about some words we speak in our homes. But before I do, I want to uh, speak about some negative words. I don't really like speaking about negative words, but God puts warnings in his word about negative words. So we can't just let them go by. We've got to read them as well because uh, they keep us from going down that road of speaking these negative words. Now, here's a few warnings that God has given us regarding our words. Psalm 35, 12 to 14. What man is he that desireth life and loveth many days that he may see good. Keep thy tongue from evil and thy lips from speaking guile. Now those same words there in the Old Testament are repeated again in the New Testament in 1 Peter 3, 10 and 11. And so we get it in the Old we get it in the new. Proverbs 10, verse 19. In the multitude of words, there wanteth not sin. But he that refraineth his lips is wise. My, that scripture has always been such a challenge to me. I find that the more you just hang out and talk and just talk about, sometimes hardly about anything really worthwhile, the more you talk, the more likelihood there is of saying the wrong thing and of sinning. And uh, so I think we do have to be careful about watching our words Oh, how the psalmist prayed, put uh, a watch, O oh Lord, on the door of my lips. Oh, isn't it scary what comes out of our lips? Sometimes we cannot even believe it ourselves, can we? But anyway, that's King James language. Let me give you that scripture in some other translations. The Berean Study Bible. When words are many, sin is unavoidable. But he who restrains his lips is wise. The 
the Living Bible. Oh, this is pretty good. It says, don't talk so much. You keep putting your foot in your mouth. Be sensible and turn off the flow. And uh, so I think that's a, a pretty good warning, isn't it? We do, we have to watch that we just, especially if we're just hanging out, just chatting, talking about anything and everything, that we don't get or go down the wrong path. Sometimes we can start talking about people, uh, talking about their negatives and you one person says a negative, then another person says a negative. By the way, I have found this out and it truly works. When you say something negative about something or someone, you'll find that other people who you're talking to, they will begin to add another negative. And then someone else will add another negative and it just gets worse and worse. And I noticed this, and I thought, wow, I'm going to try a little experiment. So I also found if you say something positive about someone, say a good point about them, it's amazing. You'll find that those you're talking to, they'll think of a good point too. And someone else will think of a good point. And so the good points get added. So... We have to be careful we don't go down the destructive path. Instead, we go on an upward path. Amen. All right, Proverbs 21, 23. Whoso keepeth his mouth and his tongue keepeth his soul from troubles. James 1, 19. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear slow to speak, slow to anger. We're so often so quick to speak, aren't we? Oh my, it, it takes a lot to learn to be slow to speak and wait to say the right thing. James 1.26, If any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart. This man's religion is vain. And uh, that whole passage in James chapter 1, it's all about the tongue. It, we need to read it often to kind of keep our tongues in order. Now, here's some specific warnings. Don't speak idle words, Jesus said in Matthew twelve thirty six. But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. Now what are idle words? The word is agos in the Greek, and it means useless, lazy, worthless, careless, some other translations, the Amplified says inoperative, non-working words. When it's talking about someone, it's talking about a lazy person who just, you know, doesn't do anything worthwhile. When it's talking about our speech, it's about, okay, we're saying junk. It's nothing that's worthwhile. It's really just a lot of waste of time. 
Oh, and how many times do we speak those kind of words? And yet the Bible here says, in fact, Jesus himself said that we're going to give an account for every idle word. Oh, I'm constantly having to come before the Lord and confess words that I have spoken and uh, plead the blood of Jesus. How wonderful that when we do sin, even with our lips, that we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, his Son. And we can come to him and, and confess our sin. What does it say? First John 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And he will forgive. And uh, how wonderful we have that, the blood of Jesus. Yes, don't tell lies. I'm only giving you just a few scriptures of the many on each subject. Leviticus 19.11, in the chapter on the laws of holiness, it says, Ye shall not steal, neither deal falsely, neither lie one to another. Proverbs 12.19 and 22, The lips of truth shall be established forever, but a lying tongue is but for a moment. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. But they that deal truly are his delight. Not only do we have to watch our own lips, that no lying words come out of our lips, but we have to watch this with our children too, don't we? Children are very prone to lying. They often lie to get out of discipline. When we ask them, now, who did this? Did you uh, take that cookie out of the pantry? Well, no, mummy, I didn't. They don't want to have any discipline, and they will lie so easily. But my, we have to watch out for those lies, because lying can become a habit. There are many people who lie. I know people who lie, and I don't even believe half what they say because lying is part of their lives. It's become a habit of their lives. We've got to break that habit while they are young. <clears throat> I think I've shared with you before in training our children, uh, I had to decide what would I do because children, being children, they're doing stupid things most of the day. And I could be a yelling mother all day long. And I had to choose. I decided that I was going to let go little childish things when they knocked over stools and knocked over this and they didn't mean to. And, you know, you've got to watch that you don't get worked up or angry about little stuff like that. But to be aware of the important things when they disobey, when they rebel, when they lie. We've got to deal with those things very di diligently so that they realize they are against the Lord and they are an abomination, the Bible says. <clears throat> and, and so we must deal in, in discipline for lying. So our children will get out of that habit. Never let 
lies go. Amen. All right. Well, here's a few scriptures. I, I some more. <clears throat> Proverbs 19.5. He that speaketh lies shall not escape. Colossians 3.9. Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge. And that is talking about the old and the new man. When we lie, we are giving in to the old man, our old nature, uh, the unredeemed nature. But we have to yield to the new man, to that new creation which is in us. When we receive Christ, he comes into our lives and he is in us. This is the new man and his, he is holiness. He is truth. He is love. He is kindness. He is righteousness. And when we are tempted to lie, we must yield to the new man, which does not lie. <clears throat> Don't speak foolish words. Proverbs 10, verse 8 and verse 10. Repeat it. The wise person <clears throat> accepts instructions, but the one who speaks foolishness will come to ruin. Ephesians 5, let's go to the New Testament and uh, I'll just read it here. Ephesians 5, 3 to 5. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as becometh saints, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. So what it's saying here, not only should such things as fornication never, ever, once be named amongst the saints. I mean, sadly, it does happen, even in churches today, but it should not according to the word of God, be even named amongst the saints. And it goes on to say it is the same with foolish talking and jesting. It should not even be named amongst the saints. So I'm not thinking this up, ladies. This is the word of God. And I'm sure, like me, you want to live by the word. What does Matthew chapter 4 verse 4 say? Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. This is the way I want to live. By every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God and which has been given to us in this eternal word. This Bible, which we have, it is a treasure. It is our life. And every word is life to us. Every word keeps us on the right path. And so I want to take hold of every word, especially in this deceived day in which we live, where when people do not know the word. So they're not living by the word. They're really just living by uh, the, um, just the way of the world. But we need this word, don't we, to get to us, to keep us on the right track. 
All right. Uh, don't gossip. Proverbs eleven thirteen. A talebearer reveals secrets, but he that is of the faithful spirit concealeth the matter. And it's repeated again in verse 19. Wasn't enough to put it in once. God put it in twice. Proverbs 20, verse 20, where no wood is, the fire goes out. So where there is no tailbearer, the strife ceases. Don't be a false witness. Now, that's right back in the Ten Commandments, isn't it? One of the Ten Commandments. Um, in chapter Exodus 20, verse 16, thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. It's actually a little bit like tail-bearing, isn't it? Just, you know, you hear something half the time, you don't even know whether it's really true, but then you pass it on to someone else, and then it get, gets passed on to someone else, and then that gets passed on to someone else, and you know what happens? The story changes every time. Have you been in a, um, uh, in a room, sometimes we've played this game at parties, and you whisper a sentence to the person next to you, and then they whisper it to the next person, and then they whisper it to the next person until you get around to the very end. And then the last person shares what the sentence is. Well, it's unbelievable because the last person sharing is never anything like the sentence started. It just gradually changed around as people got a different word wrong. And it was just completely different. It's quite hilarious. It's, quite, it's, it's worth playing that game uh, just to see how easily, uh, you know, truth or lies can just be changed and changed from one to the other. So, more scriptures. Exodus 23, 1. Thou shalt not raise a false report. Put not thine hand with the wicked to be an unrighteous witness. Leviticus 19, 16. Thou shalt not go up and down as a talebearer among thy people. Proverbs 19, verse 5. Repeat it again in verse 9. A false witness shall not be unpunished. Don't speak rash words. Proverbs 12, 18. Speaking rashly is like a piercing sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. The New English translation says, speaking recklessly, and then the commentary of that translation says, rashly or thoughtlessly is like the thrusts of a sword. But the words of the wise bring healing. Don't speak corrupt words. Ephesians 4.29 You must let no unwholesome word come out of your mouth. Don't curse. Leviticus 20 verse 9 For everyone that curseth his father or his mother shall be surely put to death. He that cursed his mother his father or his mother, his blood shall be upon him. Proverbs 20, verse 20, Whoso curseth his father or his mother, his lamp shall be put out in obscure darkness. Well, that seems a terrible um, retribution for that sin. But do you know what? 
ladies. It's not just in the Old Testament. It's in the New as well. In Matthew 15, verse 4, it says, Honor thy father and mother, and he that curseth father or mother, let him die the death. Wow, that's not Old Testament, ladies. That's New Testament. Now, sometimes you hear mothers even cursing their children. Have you hear, heard some mothers just yelling and screaming at their children in a supermarket? Isn't it just horrific? Some do it to their husbands. Help. But here in the Word of God says that if someone does it to their father or mother, help. Look out. All right, those were just a few, there's many more, but just a, a few warnings that God gives us in the scriptures about our tongues um, that we just need to be uh, just, I don't say encouraged, but um, help to keep ourselves on the right track, even in our homes in what we say to our children and what we say to our husbands. But now I want to talk about another word. This is a word that I think most of us say every day. And it's what we call our children. What do you call your children? I hear most people calling their children their kids. I mean, just about everybody calls their children their kids. It's just the most common word in our society today. But did you know, ladies, that wasn't always the case? You don't find the word kids um, in regarding children in the Bible. In fact, if you go back to the 1828 Webster's Dictionary, you will not find the word kids there to mean a word for children. It has been added in later years, but it was not there originally. And I don't believe that it is the word that we are meant to call our children. Now, why do I think that? I have to say, of course, that when I first started having our children, that I just began to call them kids like everybody else because that's what everybody else calls them. It just shows you we're all like sheep who just follow the other sheep. We just do what everybody else is doing in society. We just say what everybody else is saying. That's why we have to watch that, is what we are saying, is what we are doing according to the word of God. We have to constantly just measure ourselves up with the plumb line of God's word. <clears throat> well, what set me off on a different track was many, many years ago, I read an article uh, about a sheep farmer in New Zealand. Now, I am originally a New Zealander. I come from New Zealand. We are now U.S. citizens here in the USA, and we are so blessed to be here. But we did leave the shores of New Zealand. We didn't come straight to USA. We went to Australia, and we were there for 10 years, uh, pastoring a church there before we came to the States. 
but I was in Australia when I read this um, article, and it was about a farmer who had diversified uh, from raising sheep, because in New Zealand, sheep farming is so prevalent. I mean, we have more sheep than people. Um, there's just thousands of sheep just, you know, just feeding on the hillsides uh, of New Zealand. But this sheep farmer diversi diversified into raising goats as well. And he wrote in this article that he noticed a very interesting thing. Uh, the ewes, E-W-E-S, that's the mother sheep, um, they remain close to their little lambs, um, but he noticed that the goats would herd their little kids together, maybe on a little knoll of a hill, and uh, they'd leave them for quite a few hours and go off and just forage for food. And they didn't provide that same attention that the sheep gave to their offspring. And when I read that, something began to tick over in my mind. I thought, wow, this is interesting. But before I get too carried away, I better check it out a bit more. So I thought I'd talk to my father. My father has now passed away, but he was the uh, fastest shearer in the world in his time. He was the world champion sheep shearer. He shore over a million sheep in his lifetime, and he certainly knew a lot about sheep. So I said to my father, is this true? And he said, of course, Nancy. He said, a sheep will never go any further than earshot from its little lambs. But it's true. Goats will leave their little kids even for hours. And so I began to see, yes, this is why we now call our children kids. Because mothers have become goat mothers. What are kids? They are baby goats. And now today, most mothers get up in the morning and they will take their little kids in inverted commas and they will put them in daycare or maybe even with grandparents or with a friend or somewhere while, while they go off and do their career or go out to their job. And, and so what they are doing is being goat mothers. Now, a sheep mother, a ewe, will never go any further than earshot from her little lambs. I remember one time being back in New Zealand, flying back from the USA, and often I love to take a few photos of sheep to bring back here to show people because um, the US is not a sheep country. We are a beef country here. And one of the reasons, of course, back in New Zealand that we can be a sheep country is that we have no predators. Did you know that in New Zealand there are no predators at all? And so our sheep can be safe. 
out there on the grass and the hillsides. Uh, there's no wolf, there's no animal coming to, to just, you know, tear them to pieces. And so uh, they live in safety and security. Um, here, if people have sheep, they have to have um, certain uh, dogs or something to protect them very much. Anyway, uh, so I was back in New Zealand and I was walking over the fields, um, the paddocks, we call them there, um, with my father. And I saw this beautiful little lamb that had just been born. And I, I wanted to get up close to take a picture. And as I did, of course, the mother, you, was very scared of me. And she began to run away. And oh, she stopped because her little lamb. And although she was still scared of me, she went back to her little lamb to be there to protect her little lamb. Now, this is opposite to the goats because um, I um, actually had a letter from um, a woman. Yes, this was another farmer's wife in New Zealand, and she wrote to me and she said, Over, it wasn't the same one who I first read about, but this was another lady. Over many years, we have raised lambs on our land, and indeed the sheep are wonderful mothers. This year, for the first time, we had goats and baby kids. One Sunday, as we drove in the front gate, we heard a loud bleating and stopped to check. On top of the hill were young twins, brown and white, but no mother anywhere at all. My eight-year-old, he was so worried and kept going back to check. After about two hours... They were cold and getting weaker, so we heated bricks and wrapped them in newspaper and went to warm them and feed these little orphans. We thought the mother had just completely disappeared. When we arrived, there to our amazement was the mother, who was not dead after all, but had simply gone off to feed and left her little kids. She must have continued this neglect because not long after, the little white kid was taken by a fox. <clears throat> and so, this is goat mothering. Goat mothers can leave their little kids. But if we're sheep mothers, we won't want to leave our little children. Um, I actually... I heard from another mother too. Um, she was from Australia and um, she also wrote to me and uh, she shared this lady. Uh, they uh, were out in Australia and they used to hunt wild goats for a living in the outback of New South Wales. And she said that she observed many times um, that in the face of danger, the nanny goat would leave her little kids unprotected and run from danger to save herself. She didn't stay by her little kids. And she also noticed that the goats were cowards and would give up easily. When they caught the goats live, these wild goats, they would turn them over onto their backs. She said the goats didn't struggle. Their eight-year-old daughter was able to put her foot on the goat's neck and waited till they came to tie it up. And so we see the difference between the goats and the sheep. But then, this is where I really got convicted. 
uh, was when I went to the Word of God. And, of course, we know that of all the animals in the whole of the world, what does God call us? He calls us his sheep. He calls us his lambs. We are the sheep of his pasture. Uh, Psalm 79, 13 says, So we thy people and the sheep of thy pasture will give thee thanks forever. Psalm 100, verse 3, We are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Isaiah 53, 6, We all like sheep have gone astray and have turned everyone to his own way. John 10, this is the uh, chapter about Jesus being the shepherd. And he says, He calleth his own sheep by name and leadeth them out. He goeth before them and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. But, okay, we're getting to the scripture where I really got convicted. Matthew 25. And you can read the whole passage from verses 31 to 46. But I'll just read you a little bit. When the Son of Man shall come in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory and before him shall be gathered all nations and he shall separate them one from another. As a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats and he shall set the sheep on his right hand but the goats on the left and let me I was just I'd actually written that scripture out to give you but I want to go to it in my Bible because it's very powerful and uh, Matthew 25 yes where am I Matthew 25 <clears throat> yes and then it goes on to say, Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Remember, that's the sheep on his right hand. Come, ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. But then we go to the last scripture and it talks about the goats. And it says, These shall go away into everlasting punishment but the righteous into life eternal. So we see here how God likens his people to be sheep. And he separates them. They go to the right. And they are the ones who will enter into his everlasting kingdom. The sheep are those who don't know him. And they go to the left. And two, as the Bible says, everlasting punishment. And I thought, as I read that scripture, I thought, wow, I don't want to be aligned with the goat company because that's goat mothering. And uh, so I decided I was going to kick the habit of calling my children kids. I didn't want to belong to that, that company at all. And so actually I did. I cold turkey kicked the habit. 
Um, yes. So, actually, I was listening the other day to my daughter's podcast, uh, Serene and Pearl, who do the Trim Healthy Mama podcast. And uh, they were doing one about the power of um, how that play, you can learn things far more by play than you can just by uh, rigid routine. And uh, it was rather interesting. They quoted this quote, um, which says, now, what we know, and this was given by a Dr. Purvis, what, now what we know from research is that it takes 400 repetitions of an act or a learning skill 400 times to get one new synapse. Or would you like to know an option? There is an option. 12 repetitions with joy and laughter and you get a synapse because there's a release of a chemical dopamine. So that's interesting. When you are trying to learn something new and get it part of your life, so you don't have to think about it, it just becomes part of your life, they say it can take up to 400 repetitions. But if you do it with joy and laughter and song, it only takes 12 repetitions. That's amazing. And I think that is why children learn so much in their early years because they play and they're just happy and they're laughing. And uh, so, dear lovely ladies, I'm giving you the challenge. Would you like to also kick the habit of saying kids? Because you're aligning with the goat mothering. And you're putting your children in that category of goats as well. And we'll look in a little bit later more of the character of the goats and the sheep. And so uh, I'm amazed. I've shared this with many people and I find they still keep saying kids. Maybe they haven't tried 400 times yet. But I was thinking after listening to the girls, maybe you have to think of a joyful way of doing it. Maybe you'll have to think up a song, perhaps. And uh, when you come to, you know, calling your children kids, oh, and you just remember, uh, have a little song, a little ditty that you've made up about how you're, you know, you're calling your children children and you're no longer a goat mother or something and make it into a little tune and uh, laugh and sing. Maybe you'll only have to do it 12 times and you'll have kicked the habit. I remember one time I had been to Singapore and I had shared this truth with the folks there in Singapore. And then Colin and I were returning for return meetings another year. And uh, the folks were there at the airport uh, to meet us. And as we walked down off the plane, they all greeted us. And you know what they said? Well, they didn't really even say anything. They all went, Meh! And they had remembered what I had told them. Another time I was uh, speaking to some ladies in uh, Australia, in Brisbane, the city of Brisbane in Australia. And um, I shared again this truth of, of changing their vocab from calling their children kids to um, something that is far better. We'll talk about that in the next session. And uh, anyway, 
um, I shared it with them and went back home. And sometime later, I was asked to go and speak uh, to them again. And as I arrived, these mothers came down the path to greet me. And they said, Nancy, thank you for what you shared with us last time. It's totally changed our lives and our mothering. And actually, I'd forgotten what I shared. I said, what was it? You know what they said. You know how you told us to call our little children our little lambs instead of our kids? And uh, one of these mothers shared with me, she said, it has revolutionized my mothering. Because these women, these women uh, had come from a very, very, hard life. They'd been dragged up. They were uh, in a community. These, this pastor and his wife were reaching out to these people in um, a very, very, um, how do I describe it? They were, they'd been dragged up. They'd been through incredible, terrible things. And um, these mothers were pretty tough and hard. <clears throat> but when they took on they listened to me. They actually received it. And instead of just calling their kids, and most probably many other very negative names, they started to call their little ones their lambs. It brought a softness to them. It took away the hardness. Do you notice even an old shepherd, and he's carrying a little lamb on his shoulders? He becomes so gentle. There's something about little lambs, even saying the word. You see, that's what mothers used to do before the word kids came in. They used to call them their little lammies or their lemmikins. Now it's kids. Anyway, time is gone. Um, I'm giving you the challenge. Hope you can do it. Lord God, we just thank you so much again for your wonderful word. And I pray that the mothers here who are listening today will take up this challenge because it's no light thing. Lord, every word we speak uh, has power. So I pray that you will just give them uh, this wonderful urge to, to change their uh, wording, Lord, and to kick this habit in the name of Jesus, amen. Oh,